What words would you use to describe God? This is a participatory part. Liam. Okay. What words would you use to describe God? Generous. Omnipresent. Omnipresent. Loving. Magical, Magical, perhaps, yes. Divine. Divine. Kind. Savior. Savior. I'm hearing a lot of words. I expected some other words, but I'm hearing a lot of words that do indeed speak to the scripture that we just read. See, when we read stories about Jesus, particularly stories where he encounters the sheep without a shepherd and has compassion for for them, we see if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is a special revelation of God, we see that God is compassionate. And if we truly link our theology with our ethics, how we go about living our daily lives, then we do likewise. If God is compassionate, then those of us who claim God and claim Christ to be our Lord and Savior must also live with an ethic of compassion. Unfortunately, compassion is not something that we employ very often. But God, as revealed in Jesus Christ, is indeed compassion. It is the motivator for the healing, teaching, and ultimately Christ's dying. The German word that we translate as compassion is Mitleid. Literally means suffering with. See, compassion requires identification with the other to the point that when we see sorrow, when we see want, when we see suffering, that we too feel the same. Jesus identified with humanity in his birth, life, and death. But if you pay attention really closely in the Gospels, It's not the powerful or the wealthy with whom Christ identifies. It is the poor. It is the hungry. It is those in need of healing. Our scripture from Jeremiah reveals a God who has compassion. But along with that compassion is a sense of sorrow and, yes, anger at how the people have been treated. See, Israel at that time was actually sitting pretty high. They were wealthy. They were secure. Well, the people at the very top were. But the vast majority of the people were suffering because, as God points out, the shepherds who have shepherded the people have not done so 
They have not cared for the people. There is corruption in the highest levels of the land, among the most powerful and the most wealthy. Corruption that has gone to the point that the people have been left with no one to care for them, even though that was the whole point of the entire ruling class, to care for the people. The leaders of Israel weren't worshiping the God of compassion. They were worshiping instead the gods of power and wealth and lust. They were altogether disinterested in the plight of the people, the common people, the everyday people, particularly the most vulnerable people. But into this situation, God speaks a word of promise and hope. It won't always be like this. There will one day be leaders who do care about the people, and they'll care about the people even more than they care about their own station in life, more than they care about their own positions of privilege and wealth and power. These leaders that God speaks to us about understand that society breaks down when interests become too narrow, too particular to a particular class. The only way society can be healthy is if it is a society built on compassion for one another and particularly for the most vulnerable, the poor, the sick, the imprisoned, the immigrant, the very young, the very old, the outcast. Look at who Jesus attends to, and there you will see who God asks us to care for. Now, we do bump up against this pretty common issue where we don't live in a monarchy, but the Bible is speaking to people in a particular time and place where there is a monarchy. But I insist that the Bible is relevant. We can't say, well, that's how God expects a monarchy to act, and you know, we don't have to do that because we're not a monarchy. There needs to be translation because the Bible is relevant. The Bible has something to say to us today, even if we don't have a king even if we don't have a royal court. When we read about the king and his court, we must translate that to our presidential administration and our Congress, because the principles are still the same. Now, we hear very often, I don't know if you've noticed this, I am very sensitive to this. I hear people on both sides of the aisle, talking about how they have to be in power. They have to be the ones who say how it is, how it's going to be. As though the term public servant means nothing. Both parties speak about the need for them to be in power, and that is the language that they speak, not the language of compassion, Not the language of service, the language of power. 
and they care more about their own power than the power of all the people, regardless of who they vote for. See, we have social contracts, and these social contracts hold our society together. But those social contracts have been dismissed by those who just want to lord it over the rest of us. The language we ought to be listening for is the language of service. Those who wish to serve the people, those who wish to protect even the most vulnerable, whether they deserve it or not. Because God is very, very clear. Those who have power have a responsibility to care for people at every level of society, including the poorest and the most in need. And there's no dismissing anyone because you think maybe they don't deserve a better life. I personally can think of three people in our nation's capital, just three, who speak the language of service rather than power. Why aren't the rest? Because we don't hold them accountable. Why don't they worry about the things that God calls us to worry about? Children going hungry or not being able to get health care. Why don't they worry about proper and sufficient education? You know, it's been several years, I've noticed, since we talked about where our standing in the world is with regard to educational achievement. It's like we don't even care anymore. Why don't our leaders care about homelessness or poverty or the health of our neighbors? Because the health of our neighbors, consequently, is the health of our society. Why don't they care about the exploitation of the poor by the wealthy or the unchecked power of those who have shown complete disregard for the well-being of those whose efforts have put them where they are? We have power. We have power. And as we sit in these pews, God is making us to be shepherds to shepherd his people. We are in a position that is perhaps not common in the rest of the world. We are in a position to decide who occupies positions of authority in our nation. But we gotta vote. It's important because that is our power. Now, there are a lot of people who do vote, but they vote just on one particular issue and they ignore everything else. God asks us to be holistic. Any one specific issue is insufficient for ensuring the integrity of a society. God makes it clear, here and elsewhere, that for people of faith, the primary concern 
ought to be caring for the people, especially the most vulnerable. And if that is truly our concern, then we seek to find leaders who share that concern. That is the language we must listen to, listen for, when we approach our voting booths. God is indeed faithful. How we worship the God whose self-revelation is Christ is to have compassion and to seek to promote compassion. Now there are those who will tell you that We're only delaying the second coming of Christ by striving for justice, that we should just let society devolve even further. Some people even think that we have to devolve all the way to complete chaos and war and perfidy in order to truly come into God's kingdom. But that is not what the Bible tells us. We are shown a compassionate God whose will is not chaos and perfidy. We are shown a God who grieves when people suffer. Our worship, which goes beyond this hour on Sunday morning, our worship is the pursuit of justice. Not justice in terms of punishing bad people, as we have come to think of it, but true justice. Where righteousness is the rule of the day. Where everyone is cared for. Everyone has a seat at the table, as the saying goes. Where everyone is healthy where as a community we come together, rather than hoarding what we have, like our story of the stone soup, keeping what we have, but knowing that together we are wealthy, together we can ensure that all are fed. If we are faithful to the God who holds covenant with us, then we heed the word of the prophets, And we recognize that salvation is not about me and whether I'm going to heaven. Salvation is about the community, the health of everyone, the well-being. We see the needs of all the people, and we seek to meet those needs, not just on a one-on-one basis, but communally not just as acts of charity funneled through your local church, but acts of government. If we are faithful to the God who holds covenant with us, then we seek to build a society that works because it is a society that cares about the health and well-being of everyone, not just those in power, not just those with all the money, but the powerless as well. Christ is compassionate and reveals the God we claim to worship as a God of compassion. 
And as I said before, if ethics truly flow from theology, and it should, then we, in turn, should indeed be compassionate. We here have dedicated our lives to discipleship, to following the teachings of Christ, and Christ teaches us identification with the most vulnerable. Especially when we ourselves wield power, that compassion is the highest calling. And that compassion is the primary concern of a holistically healthy and viable society. We love to hear the words from Isaiah which Jesus used to introduce people to his ministry. In the Gospel of Luke, he stood up in the synagogue and he unrolled the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he read to the people, I have come to bring good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn, to let, to let the oppressed go free. We love to hear those words. But then we move on, forgetting those words, forgetting that they are not just about the commission Jesus had, but the commission that we share. We have the potential to be the shepherds that God raises up to care for the people. We can make sure that Christ's ministry of compassionate healing can extend to all people, even if they themselves are not Christians. We can demand that our leaders care less for power and more for people. We can be true to God's vision of a society that works, a healthy nation, in which all the people are fed and healthy and secure and prosperous. Ultimately, this vision is one that God brings about. But God has called us to be partners with God in bringing about the kingdom. Partners in the salvific work of the gospel. Power in ensuring that power is always used with a grave sense of responsibility for even the least of these. This is for bringing about the kingdom, and it's for the glory of God. Amen. I invite you now to stand and join our voices together in singing hymn 421, The Church of Christ in Every Age.